welcome back to the Daily Illini Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Hyduke. Joined with me is Josh Peach. As always, Josh, you finally got to go on the boat. It's not broken this time. How was it yesterday? Tell us about it. Yeah, finally got to go on, took the hour drive, and the boat was up and running uh, like normal. I got to water ski for the first time, which was cool. It was my first time ever, and I got up. Uh, You know, I was a little new to it. I fell off kind of fast, one or two minutes, but I got up, and it was fun. A little sore today, but I'm doing well. A little sore. We're proud of you. Glad the boat worked. Um, glad you get because it was. It's been hot this week, so I bet it was kind of nice to be out. Um, we're also joined with a special guest, Brandon Simber. He covers Maryland basketball and the Big Ten for Rivals out in Maryland. Brandon, how's it going? Good, Gabby. I'm uh, really happy to be here, and I didn't get to go on a boat this week like Josh, but. Uh, Nonetheless, I'm excited to be on the podcast. So thank you for having me. Awesome. What have you been up to today? How's your day? Um, I've been watching a lot of the TBT. I'm, I'm currently watching that right now. So I'm sure we'll get into that later. But the TBT has consumed my life this week. So that's really all I've been up to. Well, yeah, I think any sort of little bit of sports we could get, no matter what level it's at, we're all in for right now. Like, I think I watched a little bit of soccer last night, and I can't watch soccer to save my life. Like, I can't, but I was like, we're just going to watch it, whatever. All right, so we're going to get into a little bit about some Ivy League stuff, a little ACC stuff that was announced today. So the Ivy League officially, they've been kind of like on the board, on the line of canceling fall sports. They officially canceled it um, yesterday, was it, right? That's when... It all got yes. yeah. So Ivy League cancels all sports through the fall semester. That also means winter sports cannot start until January 1st. So literally no Ivy League sport will be played this fall, no matter what team, not even football. I mean, that means something. Obviously, the Ivy League is smaller and sports aren't sports aren't like they are in the SEC or the Big Ten. But if you think back to March, the Ivy League was the first league to cancel their conference basketball tournament. They canceled it on a March 10th. I think every other uh, every other conference followed after that. The Big Ten canceled, I want to say March 13th. I think it was March 12th or March 13th. So Ivy League was a little one step ahead of everybody. And then everybody was looking at them like, oh my gosh, they canceled their tournament. What's going on? And then a couple days later, the whole world of sports follows. And not that they were necessarily following the Ivy League, but college conferences, that was kind of the first entity to do so. So it is a little, it makes you think about what other conferences are looking at right now. Are they looking at the Ivy League and being like, oh, we're not doing that. Like sports just aren't as big to them. Or are they looking at the Ivy League and being shoot? you know, they cancel our, what are we going to do? Are we going to cancel? What do you guys, what do you guys think's going on there? So here's my take on this. The Ivy league is in the Northeast where the cases are the lowest in the country. They just canceled sports. I think that the basketball part is premature. I think that we don't know what's going to happen in the next few months. You know, the fall sports, I understand, but basketball doesn't start until November. So I, though I think that's premature, the Ivy league has been right. And people have seemed to follow. And like I said, that's where the cases are lowest in the country. Like, look at SEC or Big 12 country, Texas, Arizona, Missouri, Alabama, Florida, where cases are low. They haven't said anything. And you see the lowest cases in the country canceling. I think that other – if I had to predict, I think that other conferences are going to follow. Obviously, sports are a bigger deal for Power 5 conferences, but this doesn't surprise me, and I do expect other conferences to follow. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Josh. Uh, this past week, Ohio State, they were doing some voluntary workouts for football and I think other sports, and they stopped those because of some positive tests. And you've seen that around the country. You, you made a great point about how the cases are lower there. And I think that, like Gabby said, the Ivy League was the first to do it in March way back when, and we all kind of thought we, – we didn't think they were crazy, but, you know, that was like a red flag. So now that they're, can, now that they're canceled until January 1st, for football, that's definitely a red flag. I'm holding out hope for basketball because there's way less people on a team and within a program. Like, yeah, obviously, football, you have 80-plus players and way more coaches. So I hope that other conferences maybe do what the ACC does and 
kind of push push sports back, push sports back until hopefully we can get to basketball season. But in terms of football, I'm pretty uh, pessimistic right now. Gabby, how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, well, the ACC came out and said today that they are pushing the start date for fall sports back to September 1st, but that does not include football. Because obviously, you know, that's Clemson's conference, so Clemson isn't going to miss out on a football game. But that does affect your sports like volleyball, golf, tennis, their fall season, soccer, um, things like that. So I think it's what, – what the ACC, doing, ACC is doing, I think, is – smart you know going up to that September 1st date because we're nearing August we are three weeks away from August where sports really start college sports really start to kick in and you brought up the Ohio State thing I want to talk about that too because that's Big Ten Conference like Ohio State football is Big Ten football I mean that's what it is there's Ohio it's Ohio State football and they haven't released – they weren't – along with Illinois, they were not releasing positive test results, who tested, if anybody even tested positive. But then, okay, they're not telling us, and then now they come out and say, well, we're shutting down workouts. Obviously, they had a, enough positive tests to be concerned about, you know, a mini outbreak on the campus. That, that lessens my hope of college football because – the problem is, yeah, you have all these football players back on campus and you're getting these workouts in. Okay, then you stop because you have however many positive tests. You're reversing back to square one now. And I think what campuses and schools were doing with bringing football back early and bringing some teams back early was smart to kind of, kind of as a test run, like how can we manage this? How can we control this? But every time you shut down workouts, you're taking a step back, like you're back to the start, you're back to home base. And I think we're close to the middle of July now. You can't keep going back to home base when the season is supposed to start in what, six, seven weeks. I mean, and training camp's supposed to start, or fall, fall camp's supposed to start in four weeks. I mean, I think the further, or the more steps we continue to just like take back and take back and take back, the, I mean, football's going to get pushed back and pushed back and pushed back until you can't play in January. You can't play in January, February. It's just, that's going to be too difficult. Another thing that I think we have to keep in mind is that these are student athletes, right? And I know that, you know, at least half of our school is probably going to be online, but there's a good chance that these kids are going to be going to class too. And coming in contact with other students will obviously raise their chances of Corona. And even besides that, these are college kids. I'm not sure that it's a realistic expectation to expect these kids to do their schoolwork and just do practice and that's it. I don't, I'm not sure how realistic it is for them to just straight up quarantine. So, and then like you hit on Brandon, this is a huge team. You know, you have 80 plus guys, which means more coaches, more managers, more trainers. So you have all these people coming together. You can't keep them in a bubble like you can the NBA or the, uh, or sort of what the MLB is doing. So I just have a lot of concerns, especially with the student athlete part of it, which is why I do not expect any type of full football season for college. Yeah, I think we're all pretty pessimistic about football happening in the fall. But how would you guys feel about a football season in the spring? Like, because I think that's what uh, Harvard and the Ivy League said that they are trying to strive for. Would how would you feel about a football season in the spring? I think uh, Josh and I. I think Josh and I said last week that we both like and respect the idea, but it just like doesn't make enough sense. And we talked a little bit about the TV ratings and everything like that and how, you know, obviously the whole debate with football is money, like money. You're going to lose money if you don't have this college football season. You're going to lose a lot of money. Every school is going to lose a lot of money. I think just playing that a season in the spring conflicts so much with basketball and every other pro sport. That's like that weird – there's that weird time where all those sports overlap. I just – I can't see – football being played in the spring and maybe if colleges are desperate enough and they find a way but I just I don't see it working out yeah what I like Gabby said it's all about money like these people hype in the NCAA and these commissioners of conferences they're some of the biggest capitalists in the world and they know that especially for college football the fall is their time the spring you have the NBA the start of the MLB college basketball 
I just can't see it working because even though it's a good idea and technically like I think they could find field time and you know channels to get it on I just don't think they'd get enough viewers or money and even though they're pondering the idea right now I don't know if it's you know for hope or what it is but I just can't see it happening. Josh yeah. I think you I think you brought up the <laughs> NBA bubble can mm-hmm. you take a minute to talk about the meals? Oh my <laughs> have you gosh. guys seen those things on like Twitter and Instagram? Like all the some of the players have been posting the because in the NBA bubble right now they're delivering food to these guys. Like these guys are literally not leaving. Like they are not leaving. They can't go get food. They can't go do whatever. Um, I forget whose it was. That was like the one all over Twitter, and it was literally like a mini salad like watermelon and like pasta like that's what I would eat for dinner and I'm what five two a junior in college like a woman like these are grown men playing in the NBA and you're feeding them that and then I think was it Kyle Kuzma someone from the Lakers had like a sushi dinner and then someone was like playing versus playing with the Lakers versus playing with whoever the dinner was from. I thought those were so funny. I think Kuzma's was pre, like, I think it was his last meal pre. Okay. Um, Enter the bubble and had that sushi yet, but uh, Isaiah Thomas made a great point. He, like, he quote tweeted that picture of that meal you just described. And he said like, there's, there's no way LeBron's eating that. So exactly. Yeah. Like LeBron probably eats so much in a day. I mean, so many of those, those, those guys are huge. Like they're literally national basketball players. Like I just, it was so funny to me to see those. Yeah, for sure. Uh, going back to the, the uh, college football in the spring though, I think another problem, I do agree with Josh that field, I think they could find field space, but in terms of like a training camp, you know, like, when usually at training camp, it's August, it's warm out. I can't imagine, like, if you're in Minnesota or Wisconsin, are you going to have, like, training camp in the freezing cold weather? Like, I feel like they'd be at a disadvantage. And then if you have a spring season this year, are you going to do a fall season the following year? Because then they don't really get, like, an off season. You kind of go from spring to summer workouts to fall. So it's like, if they want to do a spring season, that could alter the calendar for college football entirely. And I'm just like you guys said earlier, college football kind of owns the fall and owns Saturdays in the fall. And I don't think it'd be worth it for them to permanently play football in the spring. That just wouldn't make sense to me. Yeah. I think if, I think if college football gets canceled this fall, I think you just chalk it up to no college football this year. And I know that's hard to hear for some people, especially a lot of players and players, families, you know, they're not going to go pro like they're not. And this is their time to play the sport. They love their families to watch them play the sport. They love, you know, whatever. But I think that's another huge thing is, okay, you go, say you play in spring, you go almost a year and a half without playing or about a year, I would say about a year without playing any football. And you expect those guys to just pick up. I mean, that's injuries right there. Like that, is so many injuries just waiting to happen. And then, like you said, how do you end your spring season? What, probably in like May, June, probably like May. And then you're supposed to go to training camp in August. I mean, that's just, that's asking a lot out of guys and that's injuries again. So I think you, it's a lose-lose situation if you try and play in the spring because you're either gonna have a boatload of injuries before or a boatload of injuries the next fall you're not giving guys enough time to rest to build their bodies back to build muscle if they need to to lose weight if they need to it just doesn't seem like a viable option the only people it would really I think benefit is the people making the money because they're still making the money the players um the coaches players families like you're asking them to I don't know. I think you're asking a lot out of athletes at that point. And I get that they would all, they all want to play. They all want to play the sport that you love and that they come to college to do. But I still think that's asking a lot to have them do. Cause then what it, you're not going to change the football season forever to spring. It's just never going to happen. I don't know. I think, I know there hasn't been much about it, but, and that's the thing is there hasn't been much about the NFL. Like, you see all these, the, oh, so much talk about college football. It almost seems like everybody's just dead set on NFL playing. And that's easier to maintain because you're not on a college campus. You could seclude those guys like the NBA. But what do you guys think about 
the NFL, what do you think they're going to do fan-wise? Do you guys have any, like, different ideas? I think that the NFL is going to be pretty similar to the MLB because, like I mentioned before, you have these guys with 60, 70, 80, whatever it is, man rosters, which means more trainers, yada, yada, yada. You guys get the point. So it's a lot harder to keep those people in a bubble. And it's going to be like the MLB where they're going to be playing at their, you know, if they do it, this is my prediction. If they do play the season, it's going to be at their home stadium, very limited travel and no fans. And I think that these, you know, professional athletes know more about what's at stake and that it's, it's more realistic for them to, you know, stay uh, in quarantine and secluded from everyone else. So I can see NFL happening, but just the fact that it's, you know, what, five, six, seven times more than an NBA team or something like that, it's just, you know, lowers the chances of it, you know, actually going through. I think NFL is different too, because those guys kind of have the choice to play and to risk themselves. You know, they're, they're adults, they're getting paid to do this. Yes, college athletes are on scholarship, but that's, you know, they're not under contract to play. And I think that, I think the NFL could maybe go for a bubble system kind of or try to limit them but nfl also has more testing available the college football they're not gonna be testing like you know that often so i think i'm more i'm more optimistic about the nfl because players can have the option to back out and because there's more testing but we'll see i'm not really sure how i feel about the nfl at this point yeah i mean moving away from football for a quick second I wanted to mention that Stanford announced the other day that it'll eliminate 11 varsity sports at the end of the 2020-21 academic year. That includes wrestling, men's volleyball, women's field hockey, men's and women's fencing, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co-ed women's sailing, squash, and synchronized swimming. I mean, obviously your biggest ones there are the wrestling, men's volleyball, and women's field hockey. That just it just I get it from a money standpoint because how can you if you lost so much money it's gonna be hard to afford those teams but like my heart just breaks for those athletes because I mean if you're a freshman sure you could just go transfer somewhere else obviously it's easier said than done but if you're gonna be a senior after the 2020-2021 academic year like and you just get your like journey cut short as a college athlete I think that's really hard and I think it's really hard for those non-revenue sports like a volleyball like a soccer a tennis any of those to see is like everyone's so focused on playing college football playing college football and then obviously playing college basketball but right now it's college football college football college football and to see all these sports just get cut all these other sports just get cut and obviously I get it I get it it's the money that's all it is but it just breaks my heart a little because that's so frustrating to like, this is so out of your hands, like so out of, I mean, it's kind of out of Stanford's hands in a way, kind of not, you know what I mean? But I don't know. It just breaks my heart for those athletes in those sports. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, obviously most of the athletes know that people are going to have to make sacrifices and some are going to have to get cut short. You know, I do feel bad because like, these like wrestlers or men's volleyball players or whatever it is like you know if you think about it their sport should matter as much as you know women's volleyball or college football but if we're being honest because of money people just don't care as much so you know I do feel really bad for them that it's you know a pretty high chance at least for right now that their sport isn't going to get played and then college football is but like I said people are going to have to make sacrifices I'm sure they understand the money standpoint and it, it just sucks. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a huge bummer. I mean, that, that's why I'm hoping we can just get sports back really quickly. Uh, one more thing on the college football. So I know from a Maryland perspective, people wouldn't be too upset if there wasn't a college football season in Maryland because you know, Maryland's supposed to be a bottom of the Big Ten team this year, and they have some good recruits coming in next year, but this is kind of supposed to be a down year for them. So Maryland fans wouldn't be super upset if there wasn't a season do you think, how do you think Illinois, like, would they be bummed? Because I know you guys are coming off a, a good season last year. So would this be a good thing or a bad thing for Illinois if they didn't get to play this year? What do you think, I Gabby? think it would be pretty horrible <laughs> in terms of <laughs> that I think a lot of fans and a lot of people just in general around, you know, Illinois media, I think everybody's in a general consensus that, like, this could be a big year for Illinois football. 
not like a top of the Big Ten year, obviously, but a big step. I mean, the thing with Illinois football is we just have to take steps. We're never going to take full leaps. We just need to take steps up and keep growing and not decline. I think you have one of potentially one of the best Illinois football rosters in the last decade or so. I mean, Josh, you can hop in if you think I'm wrong on that. But I think, you know, you have Brandon Peters, who's coming off his first year, transferred from Michigan to Illinois. Solid first year, but I think we all know there's more to be done there. You have a very strong receiver core that's going to graduate after this year. You have a very strong offensive line that's going to lose a lot of their guys this year. You have a lot a lot of young defenders who have a chance to really prove themselves. I think the chemistry between this team seems to be really good, especially on the offensive side, I would say a little more just because the defense battled so many injuries the past couple seasons. But I think this would be detrimental to Illinois football and Illinois fans if there wasn't a season. Just because, yeah, you can maybe if they do guarantee, okay, if college football isn't played, you guys can all come back an extra year. Some of those guys might not be able to financially if they don't get their scholarships back, you know, if um, they have job opportunities, you know, if they're trying to move on, if they're trying to go to the NFL. I mean, who knows if someone like Amilo Eifler or Josh Matterbebe, um, if they want to try for the NFL, are they going to want to stay another year? Or are they just going to try and go and forfeit that last year? When they've all said they want to play another college football season, but when it comes down to it, if they can get to the NFL, they're going to go and not play an extra season. So I think in those terms, there's just a lot of players that this is kind of their last go around and could make it a really strong finish. Josh, I don't know if you agree with me on that, but you can go ahead. Let me just say this. And Brandon, I'm not sure, you know, how much you follow Illinois football, but so we made a bowl game this past year. The year before that, we lost to Iowa 63 to nothing at home. The year before that, we were two and 10. All right. We do not get very many good football teams around here, especially recently. So, yes, we are. We were very, very excited for this year. Even after we lost the bowl game to Cal, we were already planning for next year. Like Gabby said, we have this strong out offensive line, you know, solid receiver core, a few running backs, and then obviously Brandon Peters coming in for a second and even better year. So, yeah, I was really excited because the ceiling of this team was like eight and four or something like that, which we never get in Champaign. So, yeah, as, a, as an Illinois fan, I am very upset. and I would. You know, even just going to the game is fun or covering the game is fun. We might not get to do that. So this is just, you know, of course, you know, Gabby always says that Illinois sports are cursed. And the one year we're going to get a good season, it's probably. Uh, 2020 cur- is cursed. So obviously yeah. it's cursed. But the 2020 season for Illinois sports is cursed. I mean, basketball, I think I brought this up again last week. I think I bring this up every week because I'm just bitter basketball could have made a great tournament run. Don't know how far they would have gotten it, but a great tournament run. Then you have football, like we just mentioned. And also if fall sports get canceled, the volleyball team, I think we talked about them a couple weeks ago, how their potential is super high this year. They have a lot of, they're returning most of their core. I mean, obviously you lose Jackie Quay, you lose Beth Prince. Um, but they're returning a lot of their younger players who can really make a jump this year. So, yeah, I think Illinois sports are cursed, and they're cursed even more in 2020, and I think that's a little unfair, and I'm a little upset by it. I'm a little bitter. Me and Josh are going to go cry together after this if anybody wants to join us. Um, But, yeah, that's that's that, Brandon. That's to answer your question. One Illinois team that isn't cursed and is making a tournament run is uh, the House of Pain, the basketball tournament team going on ESPN this week. They, uh, they've won their first two games. They were the 16th seed. They upset the number one seed, Carmen's crew, which is all Ohio State alumni. And the team is led by some former Illinois players. You know, Andres Feliz, who just played last year, has been balling out. Uh, Malcolm Hill, you know, is an, is an alumni. Nana Egu, Laron Black, it's a bunch of former Illinois players that have played throughout the decade are now in the Elite Eight in a very winnable game 
um, against uh, the Dayton alumni. So that, that team's not cursed. Josh, uh, have you gotten the chance to check out the House of Pain team at all? Yeah, I did, Brandon. I got to watch the first half of yesterday's game against Carmen Crew before I headed the boat. Um, but, and, you know, the real surprise for me is Mike Dom. Was he South Dakota State alum? Man, he is, well, you have another 21 points or something yesterday. He, I mean, you guys know, I, or Gabby knows, I love Andres Feliz. Malcolm Hill's one of my favorite players in Illinois history. But Mike Dom is our best player. And he, without him, I don't think we would have won yesterday. It was a, you know, Nick Grid game. It was, you know, people already saying, like, one of the best games of the whole tournament's history. And we beat Aaron Kraft, which was really cool to see because obviously he killed Illinois for however many years when he was at Ohio State. But I believe that this team can have a really deep run in this tournament. I feel almost bad for Carmen's crew that they had to play us, you know, in the, what was it, Sweet 16, I think. So, you know, poor them. But th this team is really good. Mike Latulip's a fun coach, and they're fun to watch. Yeah, yeah for I think sure. Carmen's crew was, what, the number one seed? Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, Mike Dom had 23 points, eight rebounds. I, when I was first learning about this tournament, I did not, I thought like you had to like play for your team, like your alumni team. So I was like, wait, but it turns out you can play for anybody. So I think picking up Mike Dom, however, we, uh, do you guys know any of the backstory on why he's on our team? Yeah, they mentioned it during the game yesterday. So Mike Latulip, who is the coach, yeah. for his like, Post, he graduated from Illinois, had a year left of eligibility, and he was looking at South Dakota State. So he got in a connection with Mike Dom, who I've watched every game. Unfortunately, listeners don't, don't laugh at me. I, I have nothing else going on. Um, I've watched every game, and I think Mike Dom is the best player I've seen. Joe Johnson, a former NBA player who plays later today, but Mike Dom has been incredible um, and has been an amazing pickup for the Illini. And going back to your alumni thing, I think it's pretty funny because, you know, one of the stars of the decade for Illinois was Brandon Paul. And he did not play with the House of Pain team. And he allegedly said that, quote, like he didn't, he wanted to play the team that gave him a chance to win. Uh, and his team, Team Hines, got bounced in the first round. So I think uh, that that's pretty funny. Yeah. Another Illinois alum that uh, didn't play for Illinois was Demetri McKamey, who was on Carmen's crew yesterday. He went and played with Aaron Kraft, and we beat him too. And then Carmen's crew's coach, I just wanted to mention, was Jared Sollinger, who was a former first-round pick in the NBA. So it was just – it was awesome to beat Demetri McKamey yesterday and see did these you, guys. Did you see Demetri McKamey? He uh, – this tournament's funny because it's like a lot of guys have been a couple years after college. Some guys, like Mike Dom, really – really got skinny Malcolm Hill's gotten skinnier Demetri McKamey he uh he kind of put on yeah. some pounds yeah he yeah he definitely did but he's he, still come on he, he was destroying us in the second quarter there yesterday he yeah, was he, he had that eight run stretch that was vintage Demetri McKamey and Champagne there that, that was pretty fun to see I also want to mention you know Illinois Twitter has obviously been uh you know going hard this offseason we've seen them win a couple polls and then one of the players that starts that's not an Illinois alum is Billy Garrett, Billy Garrett Jr. He's the point guard. So, you know, anytime like Malcolm Hill, Nana Egbu misses a shot, like you'll see people on Twitter like, oh, that's okay. Like you'll make it next time. But when this Billy Garrett guy misses a shot, Illinois Twitter's like, get him off the court. He shouldn't be playing. And, you know, he like, he does shoot a little freely, but I just, I love Illinois Twitter. And I love to see the way they treat the Illinois alum versus the non-alum. Illinois Twitter are the most ride or die people out there. Like, you will not find a more just like invested loyal group sometimes a little too invested and a little too loyal but nevertheless always I mean I there was what was the poll it was love who's the better college football coach Lovey Smith or Davo and Illinois Twitter somehow got Lovey Smith ahead of him I was like really but I mean it goes to show Illinois Twitter I think the big thing that I've really enjoyed is seeing Andres Feliz because I, I tweeted something similar yesterday. Like, this is what Feliz was supposed to do in March. Like, he was supposed to end his college career and have an outstanding run in the tournament and just ball hard and just play the way he plays. I mean, he's, we know he's just, just a scrappy player. And I think him getting the chance right now and also getting a little chance to showcase – some of his talents for 
possibly, you know, like overseas professional teams because he hasn't hasn't really said what his plan was um, after college. We didn't really know what was going on. Obviously, COVID hit so sudden and then everything, and now he's on the scene. So I think it's cool for him. And I don't know, it just makes me happy just watching him play on this team this past year. Like, he is just – I think Trent Frazier described it perfectly in one press conference. He's just like a little pit bull. Like, he is always in the middle of, like, dog fights. Like, he – is just that player that you want to have on the court. He's like what embodies Brad Underwood basketball. I think Underwood has said that multiple times. So I think it's really cool for him and for him to be playing well. I mean, if he wants to play professionally, like he's putting on a decent show. He's putting on a pretty solid showcase right now. So I'm pretty happy for him. Yeah. Also no, really sure. cool. Oh, you go, Brandon. Sorry. Well, for, like, based off what you just said, Gabby, Fran Fraschilla was like the color commentator for the game yesterday. He said exactly that, that overseas teams are going to be watching this tournament. And yeah, I liked Feliz in college. I thought he was like a solid glue guy, but obviously on a team with Io and Kofi and Trent Frazier, he didn't really get the ball as much. So I've been blown away with his ability to score. I mean, he averaged 11 in Illinois last year and he's averaging 17 points per game in two games here you know he's showing his ability to get to the basket he's hit a couple threes like it almost makes me wish Illinois used him more in their offense instead of just being a glue guy because I've been really impressed with how he's played offensively I was really impressed with just how much better Andres Feliz got at Illinois he even developed that three-point shot a little bit this past season which was really cool when I didn't know he could shoot but you know something that was really nice to hear is when Aaron Kraft it was obviously he was basically the face of that Carmen's crew team uh, he was asked about and- Andres Feliz, and he said, man, like, I hope that that's how people feel when they play against me because he put on such a show. So, you know, it's like it's really good to hear just how scrappy he's been and how he's playing. And I know he's married, I think, so he's going to want to make some money. So it would be awesome if – because, you know, those guys overseas can make, you know, some good dough. So if he gets to go overseas and people see him here and he gets on one of those good teams, that would be great for him. So if this is his audition, then he's definitely, you know, acing that. Yeah, I think we'll kind of, Brandon, going back to what you were saying about you wish they used him more. I think towards the end of the season, you know, nearing the Big Ten tournament, I think Feliz really kind of not took control of the team, obviously, because it was Io and Kofi, but I think he really amped it up a bit. I think Feliz really had a chance to, like, go crazy um, in the NCAA tournament. He, like Josh, you said – he was getting knocking some of those threes down, knocking some of those outside jumpers down. And, like, he just – if he wanted to get to the basket, no matter who was in the way, no matter how tall the guy was, you know, whoever the center was, like, he was getting to the basket. So I think you saw more of that from Feliz as the season went on. Um, last year, I mean, he was great all season, but I think he really progressed at that end – Point. And it was really cool to see. And I think he does have great potential. I mean, he only played two seasons at a Division One level. And you saw how much he progressed from that first to second season. And obviously, he didn't even finish out that second season. So I think he has a really good chance to, you know, get somewhere overseas, get a good contract. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy to see him. And then same with Malcolm Hill. I think I saw someone said something about him, like, potentially you know, because him playing overseas and everything, you know, putting on a show for potential NBA scouts, who knows? I mean, so I think this is, obviously it's fun and it's great because basketball fans get a little something, Illinois fans get a little something, but also for these guys who are still trying to like make a name out there for themselves in the basketball world, I think it's, this is so big for them right now. Absolutely. And I think the great thing is that they're going to have more opportunities. They just took down the one seed. So now on Friday at three o'clock, they're playing the eight-seeded Dayton team, who, I mean, is not going to be better than the Ohio State team, which means they have a real shot to at least play two more games and a Final Four matchup. They're, look, they're looking to play probably the four-seed Marquette, who's uh, pretty talented. But, I mean, after, after beating Ohio State, there's no team in this tournament they can't beat. Okay, so now we're going to get into me and Josh's favorite time of the podcast a little big 10 basketball talk josh is did a little dance you guys can't see it i'm sorry but it was funny oh he just dapped okay we're ending this goodbye thanks for listening no okay so <laughs> john rothstein put out on college hoops today um he's going through featuring every conference and going through 
the rankings that he's projecting for this coming season. So the three of us took a look. Uh, we took a look at it. We have a lot, well, me and Josh specifically, <laughs> have a lot of comments and they're not really nice. They're not really, we don't really agree with this list too much. I'm probably here to play devil's advocate then because I, I don't hate this list. So I'm probably here to play a devil's advocate, but Perfect. This conversation. So at number one, we have Iowa. I, I'm, I'm, I agree. I this agree. is totally fine. This is totally yeah. fine. I mean, obviously you're almost sure Luca Gars is coming back. He's just going through the draft process right now. Like a lot of other guys smart. I mean, as much as I, unbiasedly don't like Iowa it makes total sense I mean I think the Big Ten is kind of theirs to lose if Io and Kofi come back we might have a little bit of a different story but I think the Big Ten is kind of theirs to lose right now assuming Gars is there do you guys have anything any differing opinions I mean I'm pretty sure we're all kind of in a general consensus uh, I would have Iowa one like you said, Gars is coming back. I mean, they're returning four, their four best players on top of getting Jordan Bohannon back from injury. But, I mean, they were fifth last – so, I mean, we're going to get Wisconsin next because they're two. They were fifth last year with Luca Garza. Iowa – or Wisconsin was tied for first and was bringing everybody back. So, I'm not saying I would have Wisconsin won, but I think it's a very – I think Wisconsin-Iowa for me is a coin flip, and I know you guys aren't – as high on the Wisconsin train. But for me, I think Iowa and Wisconsin is a coin flip. For me, as far as Iowa goes, this is fine. You know, Garza is almost surely coming back, so the Big Ten will run through Iowa City. Bohannon's back because he got injured last year and didn't play. Um, and then Frederick Wisecamp and McCaffrey, coach's son, are probably going to round out their starting five. I'm totally fine with this. Garza could be a two-time national player of the year, which would be – wait, no, he didn't win it last year. Right, because I'll be topping one. But he definitely, I think that in my eyes, he's the front runner for it. This coming year, McCaffrey's a hothead, but he is a decent coach. And, yeah, I have no problems with this. Quick pause on this for a second. Um, Something on Twitter just popped up. Um, Alec actually just sent me this. The Big Ten is expected to announce today that it will go go with a conference-only football schedule for this fall. A person with direct knowledge situation tells the athletic college football. Applaud to the Big Ten. Good. I think that's smart, but let, let, let's – I hope we can get to – I hope we can get to that point. We'll see. This Sucks, point. but, I, yeah. I mean, so just a little quick news for that. Back to basketball. So – I think the problems are going to start here. Gabby. Here come me and Josh's grievances. Wisconsin – Number two. Okay, you know what? We're just going to lay it out. We're going to lay it out. Yeah, Wisconsin split the Big Ten championship this year. Yeah, they're returning most of their players. Yada, yada, yada. Not one player averaged in the double digits. Am I right? Yeah, I you're right. Not one player averaged. And, yeah, it's great to have – I mean, a lot – like, what was it? Five players return who – okay, Maybe. Five players return who averaged 8.6 or more on a team. I mean, that's very great distribution scoring. That's very even scoring. But you need to have, like, that leader guy who's, you know, going to take control and score the 15 a game, score the 14 a game, whatever. You need to have that guy. And, yeah, whatever. Wisconsin got it done this year. They got it done. They got a share of the Big Ten title. They were going to collapse. They were going to collapse in the Big Ten tournament. They were going to collapse in the NCAA tournament. It, they weren't going. They weren't going to go anywhere far, in my opinion. Josh, I think you share my opinion. All right. So you take the floor, Josh. Wisconsin took care of business. They won at home against the teams they should have. Their strength of schedule was not in the, you know, hardest of the Big Ten. They took care of business, and yeah, they got the one seed. We went to Wisconsin and beat them and yeah it was a close game but like whatever we were still improving and then we would have beaten Iowa and played them in the 4-1 game and I remember Gabby me you Alec and Carson were on uh the radio show and all of us confidently took Illinois to beat Wisconsin and that wasn't a fluke like a lot of people were predicting that like Illinois was most likely gonna get second in the Big Ten in the Big Ten tournament because you know Michigan State obviously I don't like this they lose Pritzel but like 
I just don't think that they're going to be that good. If this team actually gets second in the Big Ten, I will admit to being wrong, and I will oh, you know, sure. be the first one to say, Wisconsin, you proved me wrong. I know that they're well-coached, but they don't have that key player. Like, I'd even consider Kofi more of a key player than anyone in this starting five. Like, I, they don't have their IO. I don't think they have any, like, you know, true masters of the game. I'm sorry to say it, but I just can't see Wisconsin being, you know, a second, let alone a top three team in the Big Ten this year. That's my take, Brandon. Go ahead, but well, Gabby, I, I agree with you. I hear what you're saying. Like, they, they, you're right. They don't have, like, a guy. You know, they're like a defensive-oriented team. Nate Reavers is probably their best player, and he's, you know, nothing spectacular. But they also didn't have a guy last year when they won 9 of 10 down the stretch and won the Big Ten in a league that featured Cassius Winston and Io and Luca Garza. Like, they didn't need it last year, and they still got it done. They're really well coached. They defend really well. They're, like, they're veteran guys that are all together. Like, you know, they, they have experience. They've all played together. They know each other's games. It's not like – I agree. It's not like they're not getting 25 and 10 like I was getting from Luca Garza. And I agree, no single player is probably as talented as Kofi, but I respect the infrastructure and the, what they did last season. I just I don't see how you can put anyone higher than them, given that they won the league and bring everyone back. Um, but I understand you're not having like a lead guy or a go-to guy is a very valid concern, and that's how they'll lose games. But again, I'll take the infrastructure and what they accomplished last year. I bet that will carry over into the next season. I mean, even just looking at the third team on this list with Michigan State, with Aaron Henry, Xavier Tillman, even Rocket Watts, who impressed at Illinois, that's a better team than Wisconsin. And I'm not, like, I'm not, you know, I love Tom Izzo. I've never in my once had bias towards Michigan State. But, like, sure, they lost Cassius, but this is a better team than that Wisconsin team. They're better coached and they have better talent. I mean. You're also getting Joey Hauser from Marquette to Michigan. Who's really good. He's really, really good. So. I, I don't think Xavier Tillman's actually going to come back. I think that's the one player on this list Rothstein got wrong. Tillman's been receiving some, like, first-round grades in the draft. I'd be, sh- I'd be really surprised if Tillman came back. And then I'm actually lower on – this is the one team I don't really agree with. I'm a bit lower on Michigan State. If they do lose Winston and Tillman, that was their entire team last year. Like, those two guys had to carry them. And, I mean, going back to Wisconsin – Wisconsin had the same record as Michigan State last year. They bring back more of their core than Michigan State because Michigan State lost Cassius, who was their guy. So I just I think that Rocket Watts is a very talented kid who needs to make a huge leap. I agree the Hauser pickup is good, Gabby. I like Henry and Brown. But if Tillman goes, and I've actually heard that he's leaning towards going, then I think this team is not going to be as good. If Tillman does go, I don't know if I have them at three. Just because Tillman's such a big part of their offense and, more importantly, their defense. And I think that's where you're going to see a struggle with Michigan State if Tillman does not come back is the defensive side. And, I mean, the Big Ten has a lot of scores. So if you don't have a really, really solid defense, especially an inside defensive presence – you're not going to succeed too well in the Big Ten this coming year. I mean, if you don't have a guy who can guard a Garza, a Kofi, you're you're going to struggle a little. I mean, you could – obviously, it's not the only thing that matters, but you're going to struggle. I think a lot does ride on Tillman coming back, but I can, I think if Tillman comes back, this is a better team than Wisconsin. And I think you also have to look at Tom Izzo. Like, Tom Izzo just never fails. Like, he is just – Tom Izzo is Tom Izzo. And I think he's really good at developing players, and I think he's really good at developing players long-term. You look at Cassius Winston. So I think a guy like Rocket Watts could make a really big jump this coming season. And I think if, you know, you put the pressure on him a little, you know, Cassius is gone. Okay, come on. Like, it's your time to shine. You might get a really, really good breakout season out of him. So I think my – is Tillman. Tillman is the deciding factor on whether I think Michigan State should be a two versus maybe like a five, a six, potentially. That's where. Yeah. I also, I agree. Xavier Tillman, the X factor here. I would love to have have him on an NBA team, but for some reason I do think he's going to stay. 
But, you know, Aaron Henry's really good in Hauser. And then Rocket Watts, obviously, if anyone knows anything about that Illinois-Michigan State game, a big reason we lost is because of Rocket Watts, who I think has the coolest name in the world, by the way, but that's besides the point. He, he's going to make a jump. He was highly recruited. And like you just said, Gabby, Izzo produces jumps and players that should make jumps. So no one's going to be surprised when Rocket Watts, who's not behind Cassius Winston anymore, has a great, you know, another great year. So, yeah, if if they keep Xavier Tillman two or three, I think is a good spot. But if they lose Tillman, I don't even think it's five or six, Gabby. I think for me it might be like seven, eight, nine. But never underestimate Thompson. So. Okay, Josh, can I conclude that you're going to name your firstborn child Rocket Io Watts Peach? They, can we conclude that? Um, or what I'll get back to you and just be Rocket Io Peach. So I don't think I'd name my kid Io because that name belongs to the statue that's going to go in front of Illinois, the in front of State Farm Center. But Rocket, let me get back to you in what ten okay. years when I start having kids. Okay, yeah, you text me in ten years. Let me know All when right. your child is born, and let me know if you name it Rocket. Um, I'm confident we'll still be in talks, Gabby. Oh, for sure. You know we will. We'll be. Well, 10 years, we won't be that old. I was going to say we're going to be old and wrinkly watching Illinois basketball together. <laughs> Hopefully, we're not wrinkly in 10 years. Maybe I hope not. 40 or 50, we can be wrinkly. Um, yeah. Okay, so we moved to number four, Rutgers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm not a Rutgers guy. I think that they collapsed on the stretch of last season – they don't win away from home. And I think people thought they were better than they were because it was like a nice story. Like, oh, Rutgers, first time since 1991. But, like, they almost fell out of the tournament. They were collapsing down the stretch. I know they bring back most of their core, but they lose a quasi Yaboa, who's a guy that I liked. He really impressed me when they played in Maryland. Um, just for, like, I, I do my own rankings. I'm probably going to update them after the, the deadline. But I had Rutgers at seven, so I was not as high – on Rutgers I just don't think they went away they don't went away from the rack and I think their talents like it's it's a nice media story also John Rothstein's a New York guy and that's like the New York school so I think there could be a little New York bias there but I'm I not think, I'm Rutgers I think with Rutgers my thing is and I get the whole point of they don't win away from home but I think they're a way more experienced roster a talented experienced roster than they've really ever had so I think that could change a little this year I think you could see them win a little more on the road just because they have the experience they have the experience of losing road big 10 games I mean these guys have to be hungry they had a really strong season they did fall off a little at the end so I mean around Harper Jr. Geo Baker Miles Johnson like those guys have to be hungry to really like prove themselves in the big 10 because Anybody can win. We saw it this year. Anybody can win at home in the Big Ten. It's winning on the road that is impressive in the Big Ten. I mean, that's just that was the story of this season. Was especially the beginning of the season was could you win on the road at an Indiana, at a Rutgers, at a Purdue, at an Illinois, at a Michigan State, Michigan, wherever? Can you win on the road? So I think they're going to be hungry and they're going to know that they have to take that step up. I'm not set at a number four for Rutgers. I would personally, I'd do like a five or a six, but I don't think four is like a ridiculous thing to uh, project. So ironically enough, I'm pretty high on Rutgers. I think that Geo Baker and especially Ron Harper are really, really good. And here's another thing. One, they're well coached. And I think that the Big Ten is full of good coaches, but you know, Rutgers is really well coached. And then they play top defense. I mean, Obviously, Gabby, you'll remember this. I think it was over winter break. But that game that we that Illinois played against them at home, we won by three points in a knit-and-grid game. Like, people can score for minutes on end. And I think that that has a lot to do with coaching. And the other thing for them is Rutgers is going to have between five and seven guys off the bench. Like, if you have that many guys that can get minutes, and, you know, when we get to Illinois, I'll talk about this too, but those practices are going to be insane. People are going to be fighting for minutes, and you know they're going to make the most of their – time on the court when they play and that's going to come through their defense I think it's going to be super duper hard to score on Rutgers this year I think they're once again going to take care of business business at home and if they take that step up and actually went on the road Rutgers could be a dark horse big 10 winner this year and I know you guys aren't as high as them on me that probably sounds you know 
a little crazy, but I really do like Rutgers this next year. No, I think, I think they have potential to, like I said, like if they can take that step up on the road, just, you know, they have these returners who know what it takes. So I think I'm not as high, but I, I don't think you're crazy for saying that. Um, We'll get into more of me and Josh's grievances here. Indiana at number five. Josh just rolled his eyes. That was a really powerful eye roll. Really proud of you for that one, Josh. I know Brandon likes Indiana here. This is this is the team I have third. This is my this is the third best team. Uh, I, I'm a huge I'm a huge Trace Jackson Davis fan. He is was super. He was he was getting better as the season was going on. He was getting better down the stretch. They lost Devonte Green, which is tough. And they lost Justin Smith, but that kind of frees up Trace Jackson Davis to play more in the front court. And incoming is Christian Lander, who I know Illinois fans are excited about Adam Miller and Andre Curbelo, who I, I like both those guys. But Christian Lander is higher ranked than both of them. He's going to be probably the best point guard in the Big Ten, along with they bring back Rob Finnessy, who's been good. They bring back Al Durham, who's a glue guy. They bring, they bring back Joey Brunk, who was solid inside at the five. And their bench is deep. Uh, I don't love Archie Miller as a coach, but it's a tough place to play. And I think what the combination of Jackson Davis and Lander, that's two of the best players in the league. I like this team a lot, and I know you guys are going to disagree with me. I think, I think it's a, so, a really, really solid roster. And I think Christian Lander, we have to see if he fulfills the potential that he is projected to have, which I believe he will. Uh, I just, I have a hard time putting Indiana this high or even any higher than this just because they, I, I see them choking. I see them choking. I think they have, they start off strong. I see them have start off strong, good non-conference, win a couple Big Ten games. Then I kind of see them falling off. I mean, I think, especially with a guy like Christian Lander, if that's going to be your top guy, you need a little while to develop that chemistry or it might flip it might flip where you're developing that chemistry with lander so you start off really really bad and then you end the season well i mean that'd be better for indiana because you're going into the tournament really strong i just don't see them having like a completely strong season if that makes sense when i pick teams in the ncaa and big 10 tournament i look at two things i look at experience and i look at coaching Remember a couple minutes ago when I said that the Big Ten is full of good coaches? That doesn't include Archie Miller. I'm sorry. That does not include Archie Miller. And another team that I tend to pick against is Iowa because of Fran McCaffrey, but he's fine. Uh, But Christian Lander is going to be good. I do agree that he is better than both Carbello and Miller, but that said, Illinois has two big recruits. They have one. Brandon, I know you're really high on Trace Jackson Davis, but when Kofi and Illinois played them at the State Farm Center, this past what was it March or February or something like that Kofi had like one of his biggest block games and he I in my opinion he did outplay you know TJD and the rest of the lineup just isn't that experienced so I'm with you Gabby I it's a solid lineup and I do expect them to probably be a tournament team but the Big Ten can have 10 even 11 12 teams in the conversation for a tournament for me they're more of an eight or nine in the Big Ten yeah I think so then we take a step down number six Ohio State. Josh, we're going to yeah. get this year. You can start us off with Ohio State here. Take the floor. Okay. Wesson's going to be gone. Both Wessons are gone. Caleb Wesson is gone. Okay. And DJ Carton's gone. When Illinois went to Ohio State, and it's so tough to play there, and they're well coached. I had a friend that was at the game, and he said he was scared of no more team at home than Illinois. We, or Illinois lost by what, seven or eight? And it's because Caleb Wesson played great and EJ Lydell had a great game. So even if EJ Lydell fulfills that potential and comes in, you're losing Caleb Wesson and you're not adding that much. I mean, Washington can be good. And I like their point guard, CJ Walker. I think that he's going to be pretty good. But considering at least how Illinois played against them when Ohio State had a quote unquote great game against Illinois and the way that it was until the final couple minutes and you're losing your by far biggest force and best player. This is just another thing. I think that this is biased by the NCAA because the name is Ohio State and they're a big name. Number six makes zero sense to me. I think that this is maybe a tournament team this year, like maybe a tournament team. I'm thinking 10 or 11 for them. This makes zero sense to me. So I will say Ohio State for me was the hardest team to project. I mean, like you said, 
they, they were really good at the beginning of last year. They completely tailed off. They lost DJ Carton. They kind of, you know, they, they faltered. They, they were really bad in 2020, which, I mean, who, has, who hasn't had a bad 2020? But um, and I agree, losing the Westons and Carton is tough. Now, they bring in two transfers, Seth Towns, who was an Ivy League player of the year two years ago, who averaged 19 a game, and Justice Suing, who averaged 14 at Cal. So, for me, it's like I've never seen those guys really play, and I don't know how those numbers are going to translate to the Big Ten. That's why I have a hard time projecting them. Like, I do respect Chris Holman as a coach, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if they, if they falter. They're the one team in the top, like, six or seven who I think could really plummet. But if Seth Towns and Justice Suing are close to what they did at their previous schools, then I think Ohio State will be around this ranking at six. So I think Ohio State for me is probably – their range of outcomes is the widest for me. I agree. I think a lot – I think I said this when we were just talking. Um, a lot depends on, to me, EJ Liddell. I think he's expected to kind of have his breakout season. Um, he's projected to kind of take over this Ohio State team. I think if he does and he does it the whole season, this could be a six. But I, I would more go a seven or an eight. Um, I don't think this is a better team than Illinois next year. I don't. And Illinois is number seven on this list. So I would personally flip-flop these, if anything. Um, I, just, I don't have the confidence in Ohio State. I think they fell off. I think they really fell off this year. Um, but I think if EJ Liddell comes out and has this amazing year and, you know, comes into this player that a lot of people think he's going to be, I think they could be kind of a sleeper team, especially in the tournament. So Illinois number seven. This is where, this is where I have – well, I have an issue with number seven, and I have an issue with the projected starting five. Here we go. Trent Frazier, Adam Miller, DeMonte Williams, Georgie, Bishanishvili, Kofi Coburn. No. That's not right. No, That's no. That's not right. Wrong. Eh, no. Whoever wrote this for College Hoops today, you got to do some more homework because every Illinois fan knows that this is not right. Georgie Bishanishvili is not your star. He's yep. not. You saw the change when he was out of the starting lineup this year. There's no way he should go back. Unless he has a big jump in this offseason, which I don't think is going to happen, he's not, he's not your starting forward. He's not. And then the projected bench is Curbelo, Hawkins, Grandison, Williams. Well, that's wrong because Williams is on the starting five. I think they meant um, Hutcherson. Hutcherson's a little far down on the bench. Yeah, Hutcherson's a guy I want to talk about. Um, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be a starting lineup. I think he's sleeping on Curbelo. Um, Curbelo is my favorite guard of the two, actually. I've seen Adam a lot, Adam Miller a lot over the past few years. I only started watching Curbelo this year, but Curbelo is a brilliant basketball player. He's just a genius. And then when you talk – so I, I think when you talk about the Illinois starting lineup, you're going to pencil in Kofi at the five. You're going to pencil in Trent at one of the guard spots. I think you got to throw – I think DeMonte, you know, Underwood trusted him last year when he didn't make a basket for a month and was still starting him. So I feel like as a senior, he's going to start him. So I think those three guys are locked. From there, I think the third guard spot goes to Curbelo over Frazier. And I actually think by the end of the year, Hodgson's going to be the guy at the four, you know. Underwood said in an interview with Rothstein that he was Illinois' most athletic guy. He played at a D3 school, but he averaged 20 points and five rebounds. Um, I just – I think Hutcherson's the guy – I think Georgie might start the year at the four just for, like, a trust and continuity thing. But I think Hutcherson is going to be the guy that's closing games and is their best option at the four. Josh, like, how do you see Illinois' lineup uh, shaking out? So, at the end of last year, Brad Underwood had a great time starting Frazier – Felice and Io. So I actually think that they're going to go Curbelo, Frazier, Miller, then obviously Kofi at the five if he stays in that four spot is either going to be um, DeMonte or I agree with you that Hutcherson could end up being the guy. He could be that spot up guy that they're missing. And he is like, like Underwood said, probably the most athletic guy on the team. Um, so I, yeah, I think Curbelo is definitely slept on here. Like I said, the person that wrote this obviously we don't know a lot about every single big 10 team but like they made some mistakes here which actually makes me you know question every other starting lineup so maybe I'll have to go you know look 
look back at that too. I don't want to be a hypocrite, but yeah, the starting lineup's wrong. But like I said about uh, Rutgers, Illinois has a lot of guys that can get minutes and a lot of guys competing for starting spots. So I think the practices in Champaign are going to be very, very intense whenever the season does start. So that has them, it has that going for them. Uh, and their defense is going to be good. I don't see Illinois as the seventh best team in the Big Ten. Obviously, I see them higher. I'm not 100% sure how much higher, but I can tell you that they're for sure a top five team for me when looking at, you know, this article. Yeah, I think, um, Josh, I know you and I have talked about this, especially on the radio show, radio show at the end of the year and then a couple of podcasts earlier this summer. I, Corbell is in the starting lineup for me. I, he's, I think he's a starter initially over an Adam Miller. I think you see Adam Miller fit into the starting lineup, you know, a month in or so. I don't see Bashanishvili starting. Um, I, like I said, I think they played so much better without him in the starting lineup. I think he's a great guy off the bench. He's a great relief for Kofi when needed, but playing them together didn't work that often, especially starting, starting them together because they would both get in foul trouble. And then you have both of them on the bench. You have, um, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Coleman Hawk. Someone who played Coleman Hawkins or? No, last year. I'll think of it later. Alan Griffin? They're a bench guy. No, they're bench center. Oh, Um, uh, big, or Hamlin. Hamlin. Yeah, Jermaine Jermaine Hamlin. Hamlin. Jermaine Hamlin. That's it. Sorry, Jermaine Hamlin. Um, You have him come in to replace Georgie and or Kofi, and you're not getting any production down there. So I think, for me, Bashan is really out of the starting lineup to begin with. I think you go with a Hutcherson. I mean, every people are really high on Hutcherson. I think William Devante kind of plays that forward spot. Um, Obviously, how Illinois is set up, we know how that works. And, you know, Kofi's just the big presence. And I think we've concluded Kofi's going to come back. Um, I think, again, the what John Rossing says here, whoever wrote this, Champagne will be partying like it's 2005 if both DeSumo and Coburn come back to school. I mean, obviously. Like, the statue's being built, whatever. I think with the- – well, well bar, the, the bars are 21 plus now, so they, no, they might not be allowed to party. You're right. You're right. No one can party anymore. Thank you. We're a lame school now. Um, but yeah, I think with IO here, they're a top two. Top two. With IO gone, like we think he's going to be, I would put them personally around a five, four or five to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I would have them at two if IO came back. And I like, but I without assuming no IO, I have them at seven. I, I have them. I have them at seven. I think this is fair for them. I'm worried about how they're going to score the ball. I mean, you lost IO. Like, that was a team last year that went through some scoring droughts. They lost their best creator. They lost Feliz, who was getting you double digits. And Alan Griffin. I was an Alan Griffin fan. I thought he had a huge impact on both ends of the court and should have played more. So they kind of lost three of their top six guys and brought in some like good pieces, but. You know, we're not sure how all those guys are going to translate. So I, I just, I'm worried about how they're going to score the ball. I know they're going to defend. I know they're going to play hard. I'm worried about the offense. And if, if like, Curbelo hits his, like, ceiling of how good we expect him to be, and if Kofi um, it makes a leap, and if Hutcherson can translate well, then this team can go higher. But that's a lot of questions. So I think seven for me is an okay range. As far as scoring goes, I think that Miller, Miller can score. I don't – no one – or none of us are going to question that. And I do think that Kofi, assuming he stays, don't see why he hasn't announced it yet, uh, he'll take another jump. And then Frazier is going to be a senior. So I understand the concerns with scoring, um, but I do think that they'll be able to get the ball in the bucket. And then, so I, d- I just started thinking about this with Illinois. For Illinois, a starting five is definitely different than a main lineup. Does that make sense? Because DeMonte started last year, but he only averaged between 19 and 22, 23 minutes a game. So even if, you know, they go – because I think Corbello, Frazier, Miller, DeMonte, and Kofi might be like a really realistic starting lineup, but that doesn't mean that Hutcherson or someone else could be in there for those bigger minutes. So not saying that this projected starting five is right because it's not, but I think we do have to remember, especially with Brad Underwood, that a starting five is different than a main lineup. Yeah. We're going to fly through these next couple. Michigan 8, 
Purdue nine, Maryland 10. Yeah, I think Purdue as a nine, I completely agree with. I think it could even be a 10 potentially. Um, I don't see Michigan falling more or further down than an eight. Um, I think, you know, Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers is a big X factor. Eli Brooks, I think those guys, you could see them fluctuate, I think, between like a six and a nine throughout the season. Obviously, they might have another hot start like they did this season. I think Jawan Howard is brilliant. I think he's going to become a really, really good coach. So I could see them, you know, making some jumps. But I think at the end of the day, this is a pretty good projection for them to finish. Yeah, I think that – so Michigan's a team I think should move up along with Illinois. Like I said, I'm not high on Indiana or Ohio State, so I could see Michigan potentially passing them up. Purdue, Purdue and Maryland are uh, – they're good. Those those are good projections. I don't have a lot to say about them. Uh, Juwan Howard can recruit, so expect Michigan to be top two, three consistently starting at least the next year, the year after that. But for right now, six, seven, eight for Michigan, I think is good. Yeah, I think Michigan. There's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, Livers is actually still Livers is still in the the draft. Like he might not come back. Uh, Michigan has a transfer, and Mike Smith is going to be at the point guard spot. So you never know how that's going to play out. Purdue at nine. So I think Purdue and Michigan will also be tournament teams, and the Big Ten is going to get nine in. I Purdue, Matt Painter is one of the best coaches in the Big Ten. Mac Urena, I know Gabby went there last year. I mean, it's, it's one of the toughest places to play, and that's another team I trust their infrastructure. I really think the Big – like, I, th- I could see Purdue and Michigan having good years and kind of moving up, but I think those are going to be the top nine, and it's like a nine-deep league. And then I, Maryland – they're losing a lot. They only have 10 guys on scholarship right now, and one might not be eligible. So Maryland's in for a rough year. But I think that's a really solid top nine, and the Big Ten's going to be a really good league again. Yeah, because then you go 11 Penn State, which is, yes, fitting, but just that's a big drop from where they were um, kind of in the middle to the end of this past season. I mean, I feel like around, what, December, January, they were on fire, and then they kind of – fell off a little then you go to minnesota 12 makes sense nebraska northwestern are your bottom two again um i think like you said top nine big 10 is really really strong and you could see a lot of teams fluctuate between those top nine i think there's a lot of competition a lot depends on if guys come back um i think you really do have iowa set at the one for the majority of the season, again, you're going to see that fluctuate. The Big Ten is always going to be hard, um, especially if, you know, basketball adopts the conference only type of thing, um, like football just did today. And that's actually for Big Ten. That goes for all sports. All sports will only be playing um, conference opponents. But, yeah, I mean, that pretty much wraps up our day today thank you guys both for being here brandon it was really good to have you on um even though you don't agree with me and josh's opinions about wisconsin and indiana but we can save that for a later date we'll we'll definitely come back to that once the fall rolls around absolutely no it was a, it was a great conversation and i appreciate you guys having me on yeah all right this has been the daily Atlanta sports podcast thanks for joining us we'll see you guys next week